Hello, listeners. It's Ophira. We are hitting the road. On March 18th, we will be at C2E2, the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. And on March 30th, we'll be at the Bob Carr Theater in Orlando, Florida. So for more information, just go over to amatickets.org. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from SF Sketchfest at the Castro Theater in San Francisco, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan Colton. Great to be back in San Francisco. The city truly has something for everyone, whether you're a millionaire or a billionaire, whether you're into heirloom granola or artisanal donuts. But there's one thing money can't buy, and that is an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube, my friends. We've got nine contestants who will try to win that coveted item, and joining them is an extra nerdy lineup of special guests. We have the authority on Star Wars memorabilia, Steve Sansweet, and the co-writer of the films Wreck-It Ralph and the upcoming Zootopia, Phil Johnston. And if that's not enough, we have great friend of the show and beloved children's book author, Mo Willems. Talk about something for everyone. It's Stormtroopers, Lions, and Pigeons. Oh, my. Our guests will be joining us later in the show, but let's get started with our first two contestants. Eva Galanis Rosenbaum, you are a media analyst. Uh, yes, I am. Janice Luft, you're a nurse practitioner. Yes, I am. Eva, Janice, have you created an app? No. No? Okay, because most people Not have. <laughs> is, there, is there an app you'd like to create, Eva? <laughs> Um, if I could create an app that would try on the things that I order from the internet for me, that would be great. That's brilliant. <laughs> How about you, Janice? What app would you like to create? I want an app that will give me foot massages <laughs> or pick me winning Powerball numbers so I can buy foot massages. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most successful apps right now is the transportation app, Uber. Everyone wants to come up with the next Uber, of course, right? So we can all be Uber rich. Right, Jonathan Colton? That that would be nice. I would like that very much. So we are going to pitch some app ideas. Each of them is a word or phrase combined with the word Uber. So if I said, it's like Uber, but for a bonding substance made by the Elmer's company, you would say, (laughs) Gluber. Uh, so, yes, you're going to take words that end with that ooh sound and slap burr onto them. Okay? So buzz in when you know the answer. Or if you're a venture capitalist, just write us a check for $200,000 and we will end our show. <laughs> the winner, of course, will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Here we go. It's like Uber, but for a contagious respiratory disease that doctors recommend you get annual shots for. Janice. Fluber. Fluber is correct. Yeah. You may reward her, yes. Yeah, audience very unsure how they feel about <laughs> yeah, Janice exactly. pulling into the lead so early in the game. <laughs> She's kind of the bad guy. Yeah. It's hard to root for her. <laughs> it's like Uber, but for the R in IRS. 
Janice. Revenuber. Revenuber is correct. <laughs> Remember, April 15th is when it's Duber. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. Do not reward that, all right? No, I Do like not it. reward that. <laughs> not to worry. Because of surge pricing, this next question is worth 2.5 points. <laughs> it's like Uber, but for a spicy Indian curry dish popular in the region of Goa. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung, for a hint. Sure, it's usually made with chicken or lamb and sometimes with cubed potatoes. The sauce is made of vinegar, sugar. Eva. Vindaluber? That's yeah. right. Art, I thought you were going to go into the whole recipe. I had, a, I had, it's my personal recipe, but. <laughs> I like that clue, because at the beginning you're like, chicken or lamb, I'm like, still everything. <laughs> It's like Uber, but for hiking up the second highest mountain in the world. Janice. K-Tuber. That's right. Yeah. It's like Uber, but for a 1999 film starring Julia Stiles, that's an update to Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrewber. Eva. Ten Things I Hate About Uber. Yeah. <laughs> Both of you rang in equally quickly for that. <laughs> we finally hit the knowledge base of this mm -hmm. entire game. <laughs> it's like Uber, but for the actress who plays Dr. Joan Watson on the TV show Elementary. Eva. Lucy Luber? That's right. <laughs> All right, this is your last clue. It's like Uber, but for the plant that pandas love to eat, even though it contains very little nutritional value. Dumb pandas. Eva? Bamboober? Bamboober is correct. All right, puzzle guru Archung, how did our contestants do? What a close game, but Eva, you're the Uber smarty, and you're moving on to the final round at the end of the show. Let's meet our next two contestants. Jackie Backman, you're a writer for an online dating service. Yes. Uh, have you gone on and dated through the app? I have. Yeah? How's it gone? Well, it's how I met my boyfriend of five years. He's right there. Oh, nice. And we have a child. So clearly it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> I mean, I have a child doesn't mean it worked out. What? <laughs> Spencer Owen. Yeah. You work at the Rock and Roll School for Kids. Now, I have to imagine that the parents can be a little aggressive. Like, do you have the, like, the pageant moms that are like, is my child going to be the next rock star? They mostly just want to make sure they're not doing bad, dangerous things while they're at the school. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's pretty much the, their, their extent of their role. And to drink at the shows. That's the other thing they do. All right. So they're like, just keep my kids alive and make sure there's beer at the show. 100%. All right. Yeah. You got it. Spencer, do you have a Kindle? Uh, I do not have a Kindle. Wow. All right. So are you, do you read books? I do read books. What are, what are you reading? I'm currently reading Elvis Costello's memoir, which 
I've, I'm, this is, I know this is radio, but if you're see me, seeing me on the stage right now, that shouldn't be any surprise to anybody. <laughs> Dark hair and glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Jackie, are you reading books right now? I, uh, I read Goodnight Moon to my toddler every night, so yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, you got to do that, huh? I don't want to do that. She beat me. Um, <laughs> It helps them sleep. It helps them you sleep. You want to do it. Trust me. <laughs> well, this game is about that old-timey antique we were just talking about, known as the book. You must identify the classic book that we are talking about from an actual one-star review we found on Amazon.com. So here we go. I sure hope you enjoy learning about whales. I swear, 85% of this book is various lessons on whaling, the origin of whales, whales' distinction, whale body parts, whale sperm, different color whales. Jackie. Moby Dick. Yes, you're correct. 85% is about whales? That's, you know, you got a whole 15% for the romance. A little bit, it's like going to see Planet of the Apes and complaining that there's too many apes in that movie. <laughs> right. First of all, it's nothing like the future is probably going to turn out. <laughs> Second of all, everyone says the author, George Orwell, is so trippy and weird, but I think he's just trying to cover up for the fact that he can't write. <laughs> Jackie. War of the Worlds? No, <gasps> I'm sorry. <gasps> Spencer. 1984. That's correct. The plot had great potential for making a powerful book, but Harper Lee's approach to writing seemed a mismatch. One can hear the plot wheezing by as it's being choked by Lee's attempts at cuteness and nostalgia. Jackie. To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, that is correct. I wanted them to write, it has nothing to do with killing mockingbirds. <laughs> a great disappointment. Hardly any mockingbirds in this book. No instructional. <laughs> it might be a nice book if there was a story here. It ends with the guy Marlon Brandon what it says, Marlon Brandon, played in the movie Apocalypse Now, going crazy, and Conrad never explaining why there should be a fascination with him. Spencer. Heart of, Heart of Darkness. That's correct. Heart of Darkness was never going to be a nice book, ever. <laughs> <laughs> the worst book ever. <laughs> Who cares about dogs in the Yukon? Okay, a dog could really go from being spoiled in California to the best dog in the Yukon? Huh, believable, right? Take my advice, don't read. Spencer. The Call of the Wild? Yeah, that's right. Again, it's a novel. What are they, uh, supposed to be fictional? It's not supposed to be real. Also, it's about dogs in the Yukon. Don't read it if you don't care about dogs right. in the Yukon, you dummy. And I've been to the Yukon, and it can change a dog. I'm just going to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right? All right, this is your last clue. 
This book won the Nobel Prize. This book should be placed in solitary confinement for a hundred years. <laughs> this is to save both on time and trees used in printing of this book. Spencer. 100 years of solitude. Yes, of course it is. Well done. Puzzle Guru Archung, how did these contestants do? They did great, and Spencer, you're moving on to the final round at the end of the show. Congratulations. Coming up, we'll talk to the world's foremost expert and collector of Star Wars memorabilia, who will reveal how much money you lost when you took Princess Leia out of her box. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from HBO Now, the new way to stream all of HBO with no TV package required. Get all of the series, movies, docs, sports specials, and more. Download the HBO Now app on your favorite device to start your 30-day free trial instantly. Did you know that in any given year, there are more than 100,000 albums released? 100,000! That's nearly 2,000 albums a week. Now, we know it's impossible to keep up with that much music, so NPR's All Songs Considered is here to help. Each week, hosts Bob Boylan and Robin Hilton find the best of the best songs for you to fall in love with. Find All Songs Considered now at npr.org slash podcasts. listening to Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm your host, Ophira Eisenberg, with our house musician, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Art Chung. And we're coming to you from SF Sketchfest at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. Here are our next two contestants. Chris Leader, you're a software developer. That is true. How rare. <laughs> what is your favorite city that is not... San Francisco. Well, despite my accent and where I live, yeah. I was actually born in Vancouver. Really? That would probably be it. Because my aunt there has a guest suite and a well-stocked wine cabinet. <laughs> Emily Isaacs, you're a veterinarian. Yeah. Emily, what is your favorite city that um, is not San Francisco? I absolutely love Barcelona. Oh, yeah. 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 What's your uh, favorite part of Barcelona? Um, other than the food and wine, uh, yeah. I love the architecture there. The funny part is I took an undergrad class um, about wines, and that's I didn't want to go to Spain beforehand. Took the class all about Spanish wine, wanted to go to Spain, and then fell in love with all it. All right, so. so you know we found out something. People's favorite cities are based on wine. <laughs> <laughs> drunks, you're drunks, is what you're saying. <laughs> now this is a music game, so I'm going to pass it over to Jonathan Colton. Thank you. While we are in San Francisco, we're taking our time to enjoy the local culture, including a little band called Starship and its hit song, We Built This City, which everyone in San Francisco loves and is very proud of. Don't worry, we have rewritten the lyrics to be about different cities from around the world. You buzz in and tell me what city I'm singing about. The winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. The loser will receive an audio cassette of Starship's album Knee Deep in the Hoopla. It is real. I have it here in my hands. 
We bought it online for one cent. And the shipping was $6. <laughs> okay, here we go. You guess this city. You guess the city I sing about. Guess the city. You guess the city I sing about. You say you don't know that it once was called Edo. You say you want to be where Bill met ScarJo. Very populated, fast, frenetic pace. Wait till Godzilla comes, he will crush that place. Emily. Tokyo. Tokyo is correct. <laughs> the birthplace of the tango, also our current pope in Argentina, a big port city. A big port city where steaks are dope. Emily. Buenos Aires. Yeah, that's right. A Russian city that for a time was called Leningrad. Northwest city that also once was named Petrograd. Chris. St. Petersburg. Yes, you got it. It was Constantinople, center of the Byzantine, Europe and Asia, this Turkish city. This Turkish city is in between. Chris. Istanbul. Istanbul is the right answer. It's like the P. Diddy of cities with all those name changes. Australian city. The British brought all their prisoners here. Harbor City. The Opera House has a distinctive flair. Chris. Sydney. Yes, Sydney. This is your last clue. <laughs> We're near this city. <laughs> Silicon Valley in the South Bay. Where is this city? Cause Dion Warwick wants to know the way. Chris. San Jose. Yes, that's right. Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? I'm sorry, Chris, you do not get the cassette tape, but you are moving on to the final round at the end of the show. <laughs> it is time for a segment we call Meet the Expert. Our expert is the president of Rancho Obi-Wan which holds the world's largest collection of Star Wars memorabilia and estimated 300,000 unique items. He's worked as head of fan relations for Lucasfilm and he's written 17 books on Star Wars. Please welcome Steve Sansweets. Thank you.
actually, there's this new movie that's recently opened. So the 300,000 figure? Yeah. Let's say about 350,000. Oh, you've recently made a couple purchases. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> now, you are obviously a collector. I am not a collector. Uh, I am married to a collector, but I don't have that brain. And I want to know, what is the psychology of a collector? Is it obsession? Is it need for closure, completion? What is it? I think it's genetic. My dad was a collector. He, he was a liquor salesman. He used to go around... He collected the hall- liquor? He- well, that too. <laughs> but he used to go around and take all the swizzle sticks from all these bars. And I would look in the closet and there would be like a hundred different swizzle sticks. And that was cool. So that became my collection. So what do you say to the people who have bought Star Wars toys and just ripped the packages open and did not keep them in mint condition. I say, good for you. You had fun playing with them. Mm-hmm. I, I rip open many packages and play with many toys because that's the fun part of it. So before you were a Star Wars collector, you were actually you re, you were a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Reporter and bureau chief in Los Angeles for nine years and did uh, 60 hours of QVC Star Wars collectible shows. While you're working newspapers, at one point, did you realize that there, you know, how do you make the transition to Star Wars toys? Were you like, Star Wars toys will be around longer than newspapers, or? No, actually, my first Star Wars item was something I got at the Wall Street Journal. It was this beautiful color booklet, and Fox and Lucasfilm were sending it out to try to get movies to book Star Wars, and they sent it to journalists, too, and it came to this guy who covered the movie business, and he threw it away. And uh-huh. so at the end of the day, I waited until he left, and I sort of um, sidled over to the waste. So that was my first dumpster diving for Star Wars, <laughs> but not the last. Really? You've got some stuff from the dumpster in the fu- recently? Oh, hell yes. Oh, yeah? Like what? Mostly clean things. Sure. <laughs> Whatever, Steve. I mean, somebody dumps their lunch in there. You, well, you try to clean it off. You clean it off. It's really something exciting. But, When's yeah. the last time you dived in a dumpster? Um, well, anybody need 500 episode two posters? (laughs) And I finally have to ask, since you are the expert, who shot first? Well, despite a certain filmmaker who has recently (laughs) insisted that it was a green-skinned alien. Clearly Han Solo shot Thank first. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So now we're going to play a game, and we found a worthy uh, contestant. We br- we're going to bring this young Jedi Knight to the stage. His name is Henry Ruddle. Henry Ruddle, you're a marketing consultant. Are you also a collector of anything? Well, um, you know, I have an enormous collection of single socks, thanks to my kids. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But uh, the only thing I've ever really collected is coffee mugs. Coffee mugs? From every place I travel, I'd get a coffee mug. Oh, yeah. So how many do you have now? Actually, the last time I moved, I I left the bulk of the collection behind because I was sick of toting it from house to house. So I only have six. You only have six? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so your game is called The Force is Right. How it works is we're going to describe two items that were recently sold on eBay. 
One is a piece of Star Wars merchandise and the other is not. You just have to tell us which item sold for more money. Okay. And if you get enough right, you win a Rancho Obi-Wan t-shirt provided by Steve Sansweet. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. So which sold for more money? A scotch tape dispenser shaped like a lounging C-3PO. Or a 1980s black velvet poster of Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, my. You know, I have a feeling like you could probably get the black velvet uh, in quantity, so I'm going to go with C-3PO. Let's go to Steve to find out what's the answer. Actually, for some stupid reason, <laughs> the black velvet poster of Ozzy, which probably had some traces of substance on it, <laughs> Sold for $315, while the 3PO tape dispenser, which has 3PO lounging with the tape right between his... <laughs> that went for $152.50. So the tape is in between it, and you pull it out. Yeah. You yank it out. Yank it out. Which of these items sold for more money? From 1977, an early bird certificate you could mail in to receive the first four Star Wars action figures, or a first edition of Dwight D. Eisenhower's World War II memoir, Crusade in Europe, signed by Eisenhower. Oh, well, I like Ike, but uh, I think the uh, memorabilia t uh, certificates would have gone for more. All right, Steve, what do you say? You are right. The book, signed by our beloved late president, sold for $577. Mm. A sealed cardboard box that promised you at the Christmas of 77 that you'd be among the first to receive the first four action figures in early 1978 sold for $4,450. All right, Henry. Is it from 1978, a Luke Skywalker action figure with double telescoping lightsaber sealed in its original package? Or Princess Royal Blue, a My Little Pony toy with a limited edition glow-in-the-dark mane? Oh, man. That's, that's tough, because there's a lot of bronies out there. A lot of bronies. Uh, more and more every day. Henry, I just love you saying that. That is hilarious. I'm going <laughs> I'm, I'm to go with the My Little Pony. Oh, you should have stuck with your Star Wars instincts. Oh. The My Little Pony sold for a pretty good $423.18. The sealed double telescoping Luke Skywalker sold for $20,000. Let me explain why. At the very beginning, the toy company decided that it would have a lightsaber that came out of one arm, and it would have two pieces, one that extended a little, and then a very thin piece that also extended. And then they figured out that costs an extra quarter cent. And so they sort of did away with those, except in some of the early bird kits. One on a card is exceedingly rare. A Darth Vader is rarer, and a Ben Kenobi with a double telescoping lightsaber on a card, there are about three or four known to exist, would cost about $50,000.
Well done. You win a t-shirt that will be sent to you by Steve Sansui. Thank you so much for playing. Well done. Please thank our guest expert for being here, Steve Sansweet. Let's meet our next two contestants. Michaela Healy, you work at a bar and you teach about essential oils. I do. What is the most essential oil? Uh, for me or just in general? Oh, interesting. Interesting question. I, uh, I, I can't live without vetiver. Oh, what's vetiver? It's uh, resin that comes from a tree. Sure. Yeah. All right. Steve Crawford, you are a mortician. Yes, I am. What essential oil do you like? Formaldehyde. Formaldehyde. <laughs> You're both amazing. I just want to let you know that right now. So we're here on Castro Street in San Francisco. There are pride flags all over the place. The rainbow flag was actually designed by a San Francisco artist, and that is the inspiration for this game. So in this game, every answer is a mashup of two things, connected by a color. So for an example, let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung. If I said this classic Stanley Kubrick film is about ultraviolent droogs who love citrus-flavored soda, You'd answer, a clockwork orange crush. So the two items will always be mashed up in the order that we give them, in the clue. And the color will be the word that connects them. We're just giving away these answers, clearly. <laughs> uh, so buzz in when you know the answer. And of course, the winner will move on to our final round. Here we go. Oprah Winfrey starred in this film adaptation of an Alice Walker novel where she said, let's go crazy with Prince and the Revolution. <laughs> Michaela. The color purple rain. Exactly. <laughs> you get a little red Corvette. <laughs> in this John Hughes rom-com, Molly Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy attend a prom on the dark side of the moon. Steve. Pretty and Pink Floyd. You are correct. When this golden girl gets sick of listening to B. Arthur, she hangs out with Harold and Kumar at this hamburger chain. Michaela. Betty Whitecastle. That's right. Donovan has an unusual hit single about a giant book of business phone numbers. Michaela. Mellow Yellow Pages. Yeah. George Gershwin's classic jazz concerto might be played on PVC pipes by this troupe of bald mimes. Steve. Rhapsody and Blue Man Group. Yeah. I just have to say, it's very hard to describe Blue Man Group without saying blue man or group. <laughs> Troop of bald mimes Troop sounds of bald so mimes. frightening. It's a, it's a less interesting show. <laughs> How'd they do, Archung? Michaela knows all the colors of the rainbow, and she's moving on to the final round. Congratulations. 
If you would like to be a contestant on Ask Me Another, just go to amatickets.org, drop us a note, and we'll send you our contestant quiz. Coming up, Zootopia co-writer Phil Johnston and beloved children's author Mo Willems tell us why it is so much better to write for animals than for people. This is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from HelloFresh, a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed to eliminate food waste, along with step-by-step recipes for delicious meals designed to take 30 minutes to make. And everything is delivered in a special insulated box for free. Ask Me Another listeners can receive $35 off their first week of deliveries. Just visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code ANOTHER on your first purchase. Welcome back to NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg and we're coming to you from SF Sketchfest at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. Now please welcome our VIP, the co-writer of Wreck-It Ralph and the upcoming Disney film Zootopia, Phil Johnston. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Is this your first trivia show? Uh, Public one, yes. Public one. Yes. Got it. Mostly you play alone. Home trivia. (laughs) Self-trivializing. Self-trivializing. You are a successful screenwriter, comedy writer, but your first job out of college was as a weatherman in Minnesota. Oh, I'm so glad we can talk about this. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, how did that happen? Were you really good at just saying in a cheery way, like, it's 30 degrees? Apparently, I was very good at lying because I knew nothing about weather. I majored in journalism, wanted to be a newspaper reporter, ended up getting a job at a small television station in Rochester. And my third day on the job, the uh, news director said, our, our weather guy quit for the morning show, so <laughs> can you do weather? And of course I can do weather. I can do anything. <laughs> and the disservice I did to the <laughs> farmers and people who relied on a good weather forecast of southern Minnesota, it's Astonishing. So then you wrote lots of scripts that you would say did not get made, but you made a living yes. writing scripts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Hollywood. A close relative of mine, when my first movie, Cedar Rapids, got made, said to me, How are you going to handle success when you've had so much failure? <laughs> no, I sold lots of TV shows and movies and over a period of years, none of which got made. And then, yeah, then suddenly they started getting made and life got easier because then I could say, yeah, I'm a screenwriter. What have you done? And I could say what I've done and it just, my existential dilemma was over. The whole, if you're a writer but no one reads it and no one sees it, are you really a writer? Right. It's a, it's a challenge. Uh, and then the next project that we know after that is Wreck-It Ralph. Right. How do you go from a comedy like Cedar Rapids to a animated, about video games Family characters. Family film, yeah. yeah. Um, I had written a script before Cedar Rapids called Jeremy Orm is a Pervert, loosely based on the, uh, the pornography I sold as a young man. And uh, All right, you're going to have to elaborate. I would buy uh, 
Playboys and penthouses from this ninth grader. I was in seventh grade. I would buy them for one dollar, and then I would sell them to other uh, seventh graders for three dollars. <laughs> Sometimes five dollars. If it was like a, a hustler, would easily do five. And I had a fort above the garage, and that's where I kept the stash. And I had like 50 or 60 magazines ready to go. I mean, they were they were customers, they were willing buyers. And uh, my mother and father went up when December rolled around to get the storm windows out of the garage, and you know it ended there. They saw my your Larry stock. Flint days stop. And you're like, no, mom, it's a business. It's a yeah. business. Yeah. I bought Air Jordans with the $86 I had made before I was caught. 1985. So this movie coming out, Zootopia, is described as an action buddy comedy neo-noir adventure. Wow. Yeah. Who described it that, that way? Was a, <laughs> that was a... It's a really... Uh, all of those things. It's a very funny movie about, it takes place in a world where humans never existed, so it's a talking animal movie. So how do you prepare or research for writing comedy for animals? Are you uh, looking at animals? I have a cat. You have a cat? I have a cat. Yeah. Um, no, the, the initial idea, the filmmakers, um, Byron Howard is the director, one of the directors in the movie, along with Rich Moore, and they went all over the world studying animal behavior. and. Uh, went to Africa and all that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, I just, I just come in and say, well, would my cat do that? And that's, that's, that's how I judge everything. <laughs> yeah, speaking of your cat, you told our producers that you know a lot about feline gender reassignment surgery. I like to think I do. Okay. Has your cat had this surgery? My cat has had this surgery. <laughs> so we got this cat, Wayne, and he's awesome. But after like three months, he starts peeing like every five minutes, just these little dollops of pee in the litter box. So we take him in and they go, oh, there are these crystals in his urethra and they gave him a catheter, and they had to do that a few times, and, and they said, listen, it's not working. So we have a couple of options. We can put him to sleep, we can um, let the bladder explode, which is not a good plan. No. Or we can make the hole bigger by cutting off his penis and giving him a vagina. And I said, Absolutely, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and <laughs> it's approximately the blue book value of a 98 Accord <laughs> to get this done. Should, you, should anyone be curious? Phil, beyond delightful. <laughs> All right, since you're writing dialogue for cartoon animals, we decided to build an entire game around that idea. And to be your teammate, we found someone perfect. We have a man who has also made a career out of putting words into animals' mouths. It's children's book author and our good friend, Mo Willems. Hi. 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 Hi.
Great to have you back on the show. Last time you were on the show, you got a Ask Me Another t-shirt, I believe. Yes. You, you won one. You haven't worn through that one yet? No, it's, it's good. It's in pristine? It's all good. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel like writing for animals, characters that are animals rather than humans, gives you more liberty? I think so. I started out not writing for animals. I was very, like, I wrote for animated people, but animals are, uh, yeah, they're easier, they're easier to draw. <laughs> Yeah, you sort of, I think you fall into it. I mean, initially, I didn't, I, all my animated cartoons were with characters, uh, human characters, because I didn't want to be kitty, you know? Yeah. But uh, now, it's just, it's fun. I like animals. And you escape a lot of, you don't have to worry about social things. You don't have to worry about race or where they live or what they're, they're just, they're animals. They're animals. So, so you're allowed to have a lot more freedom with them. The, you have a series, Elephant and Piggy. Yes. 25 books? Yes. The last book is coming out in May. Yeah, you're ending it. The final... Th thank you for the applause. <laughs> thank you, Mom. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> Why are you ending it? Is their emotional journey over? Yeah, I mean, I th I th ultimately, ultimately, uh, I wanted it to be Mary Tyler Moore Show and not Happy Days. Right. Got it. So, uh, and it's time, you know, it's, uh, these characters, I know them, I love them, they're really fun to be with, but I got to a point where I realized every time I was making an Elephant and Piggy book, I wasn't making something that scared me. So you wanted a challenge. I want to be scared. Is there going to be anything in the final book that, uh... They get hit by a bus. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Driven by a pigeon. <laughs> Now, actually, the book is called The Thank You Book because it is a giant thank you to my audience. You know, I got to spend 10 years with these characters, and I only got to do it because kids were reading it. So it's a, it's a pretty on-the-nose book about saying thank you. All right, so we have a great game for the two of you. We are going to have you kind of work together. Phil, you are going to get a list of famous animated cartoon animals, and you have to get Mo to guess who they are by speaking in their voice. Oh, great. Oh, okay. okay. So you just have to give us dialogue, for example, that character might say, their catchphrase. The only catch is that you can't say any part of the answer with your clues. So if the answer is Donald Duck, you can't say Donald or Duck, or you'll hear this. So that sound means move on to the next clue. And if you get stuck, you can pass. You've got two minutes on the clock. Are you ready? I'm born ready. Okay. <laughs> The game begins now. Hey, what's Donald up, Duck? Doc? Donald Duck. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Bugs Bunny. Yes. Right. Oh, dear Lord. Who is this? Pass. <laughs> Raggy. Let's get some... Shaggy? Not Shaggy. The you other said one. Shaggy. The other one. The dog, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that's yes. it. That's it. <laughs> I went to film school. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> Kurosawa. <laughs> Here I come to save the day. Oh, that is Dudley Do-Right. Little tiny rodent, but really strong. Oh, he's strong. a mouse, yeah, super. He's a um, powerful mouse. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hyper, making a muscle, super, I'm making a muscle. That, that mouse. A, alliterative. Uh, spider mouse. Uh, a, 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 um, like maximum a, mouse. Uh, very close. Um, big, giant, um, uh, nose mouse. Rhymes with flighty. Mighty mice. Yes. Mighty mouse. Yes. yes, good. 
I am a very sexy French skunk. That's Pepe Le Pew. That's right. Yes. There you go. Uh, na 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 na. Uh, uh, I do know who that is. Yeah, like that he, is uh, Woodrow Woody Woodpecker. Woodrow Woodpecker. That's <laughs> yes, right. Yes, indeed. Uh, oh, oh, she's 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 a, a fish that is just so confused. Uh, I'm such a confused fish. Oh, I don't know um, where I'm going. I'm, yes, I'm confused about um, everything. Um, confused I have a talk fish. show. The woman who right, I am right, impersonating right, now. I like dancing. Right. You know. That's Finding Nemo. That's right, except the other one is called... called oh, the, the, and oh, there's the a new one a coming out. There's another one. That's right. And it has a name. It rhymes fish. with Dor- Dory. Dor- yep, yes. Dory. Right. You got it. Okay. Uh, Boy, do I like lasagna. Oh, it sure is good. Oh, man. The fact that I know this one quicker is worse. Yeah. It is Garfield. Yeah, that yeah. Yes. depressive, morbidly obese cat. Uh, oh. Oh, that's that time. That's all we got. So the one you passed on was Sylvester the Cat. We gave you eight, and you got seven. So congratulations. You both win Ask Me Another Rubik's Cubes. Ooh. I know. And we are totally thrilled to have had you on. Thank you so much, Mo Willems, for rejoining Thank us. Thank you so much, Phil Johnston. Go see Zootopia. All right, now we're going to crown this week's big winner. So let's bring back Eva, Spencer, Chris, and Michaela to play our final round. And our puzzle guru, Art Chung, will run this final round. Thanks, Ophira. Our final round is always played spelling bee style, but this time it's an actual spelling bee. The twist is you'll be spelling the names of notable app and tech companies. (laughs) So for example, if I said Hulu, as in I watched every CSI episode available on Hulu last night, you would say Hulu, H-U-L-U, Hulu. One wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds to give me that answer and the last person standing is our big winner. Your prize will be an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube and a swag bag full of stuff from Zootopia and Mo Willems. Here we go. Eva, Spotify, as in check out my Justin Bieber playlist on Spotify. Spotify, S-P-O-T-I-F-Y, Spotify. That is correct. Spencer, grinder, as in... <laughs> as in, my son met his husband on Grinder. Grinder, G-R-I-N-D-R, Grinder. You got it. Chris, your clue is Waze, as in, someone should tell Waze you can't make a left turn there. Waze, W-A-Z-E. Ooh, that is very fancy and correct. Ooh. My stars. Michaela, dig, as in, did you know dig is still a website? Dig, D-I-G-G. You got it. 
Eva, your clue is imager, as in I passive-aggressively made fun of my coworker with a meme on imager. <laughs> imager. I-M-G-R. Imager. No. No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Please step aside. Spencer. Imager. I-M-G-U-R. Imager. That is correct. Thank you, Eva. Back to Chris. Ship, as in, I'm too lazy to mail those Star Wars figures I sold on eBay, so I use ship. Ship? S-H-I-P-P, -P, ship? No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Step aside. Michaela, ship. S-H-Y-P. That is right. <laughs> I'm sorry we have to say goodbye to Chris. We are down to Spencer and Michaela. Spencer, car to go, as in, I laughed when my dad picked me up from the airport in a car to go. Car to go, C-A-R numeral two, G-O, car That's to go. Right. You got it. Okay. Michaela, your next clue is NVIDIA, as in, I'm not sure what graphical processing units are, but NVIDIA makes them. E-N-V-I-D-I-A. No, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, the crowd knew that you were incorrect. Spencer, for the win. NVIDIA. N-V-I-D-I-A, NVIDIA. That is correct, congratulations. Congratulations to Spencer, you're our big winner. Enjoy your bags full of Disney fine goods. Pure guessing. Yeah. Well, it all worked out. Congratulations. That is our show. Thank you so much for playing. Check out our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at NPR Ask Me Another. And come see us live or be a contestant. Just go to amatickets.org. Our puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by J. Keith Van Stratton and senior writer Karen Lurie. Ask Me Others produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Lena Mazitzis, Denny Shin, and our intern Alejandra Vasquez, along with Anya Gronman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom and Jesse Baker. We'd like to thank our production partner, WNYC, SF Sketchfest, and the Castro Theater. A hot streetcar. I'm Her Ripe Pagonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Just a reminder to check out NPR's All Songs Considered. Because, you know why? In any given year, there are 100,000 albums released. 100,000, actually even more than that. That works out to like 2,000 albums a week. It's impossible to keep up with that much music. But each week, Bob Boylan and Robin Hilton find the best of the best songs for you to fall in love with. So check out All Songs Considered now at npr.org slash podcasts. 
Next time on Ask Me Another, indie filmmakers Mark and Jay Duplass wonder whether their working relationship might be too good to be true. We're worried that maybe we're repressing some stuff and that like when we wake up when we're 60 and we're like at the Cannes Film Festival, one of us might just pull out a gun and kill the other one. <laughs> Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. 